Thanksgiving, and I'm sure that you guys all had a, had a great time being with family, and others of you are great that family is leaving uh, if they haven't done so yet, but we, we, had a, we had a great time, great Thanksgiving, and uh, I know that some of you had a better Thanksgiving weekend than others. Um, I believe there was a big football game yesterday, and uh, so, uh, all right, whatever. Uh, so there's a big football game yesterday, and one thing that I've, that I've learned is that, that one thing you don't joke about in our state is you don't joke about the Carolina-Clemson football game, and it's been really interesting. I mean, you can go 11-0, and 0, and if you lose that game, or your team does, and it ruins your year, um, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people tell me, you know, I don't care how many losses we have, it's, it's, as long as we beat Carolina, or as long as we beat Clemson, that's all that matters, and so if your team happened to win yesterday or not, uh, the, the fact of the matter is it, it is something that's good and it's fun, but for how long? Well, for 365 days. And then you have to re-up for it every year. And so what I'm discovering is even for the Carolina fans who the last five years have enjoyed success, today they ain't real happy about it. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's just not like you can't, we can't be joyful and say, well, the last five, year, those five years have been good. I mean, you lose one time, then you start all over again. Now, today we are, we are concluding our series, The Power of Grace. And I bring up the other for this part right here, and it's this. Now, there's a lot of us who are looking for fullness and for completeness and looking for anything or something that will bring satisfaction into our lives. And for some of us, you know, it's, it's football games. Uh, for others of us, it's, it's work. And for others of us, it's, it's just simply getting more stuff. But what we find out is that it doesn't have a real long shelf life. And, it, and ultimately, it really doesn't bring satisfaction and peace and hope and all these other things. And so today, we're going to be looking in the book of Titus, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, uh, just to let you know where it is, maybe a little bit of help, is if you go to the middle of your Bible and take a hard right. Um, and so you will eventually, it's before you get to the book of Revelation, the last book, so you'll run into it. But Titus chapter 2, and what we're going to see there is, is Paul talking about something that actually completes us. Something that actually fills us with, with satisfaction and with joy. And what it is, is the grace of God. And for many of us, we, we are looking for anything to fill this hunger that we all have, which is to be satisfied. And yet, well, all the things that we typically seek after, that ultimately, they, they, they just don't work. And the great thing we're going to see today is that there is something that can satisfy you. And it is God's grace. And one of the great truths we're going to be looking at today is that God's grace completes us. And so that's why we're going to look in Titus chapter 2 in just a few moments. Just want to give you a little bit of, a little bit of history or background information about uh, the book of Titus. Uh, Titus was a guy. And Paul wrote this letter to Titus. He was a pastor on the Isle of Crete which is you know, it's like south of Italy, just north of northern Africa. So it's this island that's out there. And Titus was a guy that was, I mean, he was just struggling. Uh, and the reason why is because the church in Crete, and actually the people of Crete, were, they were a difficult group of people. Um, have you ever heard the term before, 
Uh, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, he's such a cretin? Have you all heard of that before? He's a cretin. He said, well, where did that come from? You know where it came from? It came from these people. Uh, and this, uh, this is, I just love this. In Titus chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, this is what Paul wrote. Paul said, one of their own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And then I like this part. And this testimony is true. Okay, y'all, that right there, that is not a real good reference. I mean, Paul is saying, hey, that these people are lazy, they're a bunch of jerks, and everything these people have said about them, man, it is absolutely true. Now, Evan, uh, every, uh, every part of life was corrupt. And, and this was even true in the religious circles. Religious leaders of the day were, were telling the people in this town, they were saying, listen, if you really want to be connected to God, we have all these rules and regulations over here that you've got to follow. Now, if you don't follow them, then you're going to be in trouble. And so that's why, why Paul is writing this letter. You get to chapter 2. And Paul's focus on chapter 2 is about God's grace. And he talks about how God's grace, not, not all the rules and regulations that we keep, he says, but it's God's grace that will complete you. So how does God's grace complete us? And I just want us to see a few things, you know, especially as we're celebrating you know, Thanksgiving this week, and you're looking for, if you're looking for something to be thankful for, I hope today will help you out. And so, so what you know, how does God's grace complete us? It's something to be thankful about. First way God's grace completes us is His grace redeems us. God's grace redeems. Look with me, and we're going to look at verse 11, and then we're going to go down and look at verse 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. And then verse 14 says, He gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for Himself a special people eager to do good works. Now, one of the most successful, I guess, our, our most important and best Bible study groups we have here that's really made a difference in a lot of people's lives is a financial peace course that's taught by uh, TJ and Gina Watkins. Have any of y'all taken the financial peace stuff? Okay, it's been a great class, and, and, and there's one of the neat things about that class. It's been fun because uh, to talk to people who've taken it, what they say is, well, you know, what, what it does is it gives us a biblical perspective on how to handle our finances. And then sort of the benefit that's come out of the class is there's been a lot of people in the church who've greatly lowered the debt that they had before. And so it's been a, it's been a great class. If, you, if you've not taken the class or maybe you haven't signed up for it, I, I'll encourage you to do so uh, the next time that it comes around. So it's a really cool class. But, but whenever it comes to other debt in our life, I think there's some of us who look around and we think, well, I was able through financial peace, I was able to lower my debt here. And we, we talk about having, having other debts in our lives. And we think, I, I can handle other debts in my life in the same manner. You know, I can come up with a game plan and I can work it out and I'll be able to lower debts in other areas of my life as well. And that may be true in some areas, but when it comes to spiritual debt, whenever it comes to the debt that we owe because of sin, that's not true. Now, it's a debt that is so big that we can't handle it ourselves. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, it tells us who is in debt because of sin. And it says all of us are. And then it goes on later on in Romans chapter 6. It says, and now there is a heavy price to pay because of the debt of sin that we have. 
And that heavy price is to be eternally separated from God forever. And there's nothing that you or I can do in order to handle that debt. I mean, that's, we can't handle it. The Pope can't handle it. Uh, Billy Graham. That these guys can't do anything about that debt. Jesus said in John 8, 24, He said, therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So what does all this mean? Well, it means we have a really big debt. And the big picture, what it means is that we are doomed. But the good news comes in verse number 11. If you look in verse 11, it says, We're told that the grace of God has appeared for salvation to all people. Okay, now this is where y'all get to participate. I want to see if y'all remember. Y'all remember just like maybe a, a real simple, basic definition of what grace is. What's a, def- what's a simple definition of grace? What was that? Yeah, so something, something given, right? It's given and it's unmerited. Very good, Donnie, even though you're wearing that orange shirt. Okay, so that's a good thing, right? And so uh, God's uh, grace is receiving something from God that you do not deserve. Okay, so that is what, what we are being told here is the goodness we can't handle the debt ourselves, but God offers us grace. Now, if he offers us grace, what does this grace bring? Verse 11 again, it says it brings salvation. The word salvation means deliverance. It means rescue. So what do I need to be rescued from? I need to be rescued from the penalty of sin. We need to have deliverance from that. Uh, the word is, and it says that Jesus does that in verse 14. It says he redeems us. And that word redeem means he set us free by paying a price. Now if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that the, the priest always, day after day, they were always offering up sacrifices to God. They would take animals and they would slaughter them as a way to appease God for their sin. Now the problem was that they had to do it every day. And so they were looking, we'd like to have our debt completely wiped out where I'm, you know, where I'm not constantly trying to pay off my debt. Now this is where, the, and the only way that can happen is there had to be a full, perfect sacrifice. That's where Jesus comes into the picture. Hebrews 10, 10 through 14, it says, By this will of God, we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Y'all, here's an important part right here. It says, once and for all. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices, time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, and sat down at the right hand of God, and he's now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he's perfected forever those who are sanctified. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, grace, it's a, it's a neat thing. If you've grown up in the church, you know, I've heard about grace my whole life. Jesus died for me. You know, that's good. Guys, it's a big deal. Jesus gave his life for us. I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't I'm, I'm, I ain't giving my life for anybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, my family, okay. Yeah, I think I would most of the time, you know. I mean, just being, I mean, most of the time I'm scared to death to think, you read about these guys, uh, was it Kyle Carpenter jumped on that grenade? And, you know, I think, man, I would be embarrassed if anything like that happened. I would be in the corner sucking my thumb. Like, I'm not giving my life for anything. And then I look and I see what Jesus did. I'm like, why would he do that? Does that make sense to you all? 
It comes down to one simple thing. He, he loves us. God loves people. And a good illustration of this for me was there's a story about a, a brother and sister and this boy had, had had a disease, and he had he'd overcome it. His sister had the same disease, that she needed a blood transfusion in order to get better. And so they came to him. His blood type was a match for his little sister. And this is a little boy. He's like nine years old. So the doctor came to him and said, we'd, we'd like to be able to get your blood to help your sister. And he said when he said that to the boy, he said the boy got real nervous. And then he said, you know what? He said, I'll do it. She's my sister. And so they, they got down, you know, he got down on the bed, and they're getting ready for the transfusion. He looks over his sister, and she's nervous, and he smiles at her and winks at her, and she kind of calms down. And then as the blood begins to go out of him, and he sees it going out of the tube, he said the boy got quieter and quieter, didn't say anything. And by the end, he, he said the boy, was, he was just, he was sweating and nervous, and the doctor came over to him and said, you all right? And, and he, he looked up at the doctor, and he said, doctor, he said, when am I going to die? And it was then that the doctor realized when he asked the boy about giving his blood for his sister, the boy thought he had to give all of his blood. But the doctor said in that moment of great decision, he, the boy said, I will do it because she's my sister. He said, I'll do it because I love her. Yep, that is grace. Jesus says, I will do it. I will give my blood. I will give my life because I love people. So when I look at God's grace, I see it completes us. It completes us in that it redeems us. But God's grace also completes us in that his grace reforms us. And I think for me, this is like probably my favorite one out of what I see in the text today. God's grace reforms us. Now look in verse number 12 with me. And speaking of grace, it says, Instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. And then in verse 14, it says, and he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to cleanse for himself a special people eager to do good works. Now, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And as you read through his writings in the New Testament, you'll see that Paul, he gets irritated a lot about the legalism that was going on in, in the faith, in, in, in Christianity. And it really bothered him because there were people coming around teaching the people, saying, no, you need more than God's grace. You've got to earn it. You know, there's rules and regulations that you've got to follow, and if you don't follow them, then you're going to be in trouble. And, you know, that's, you know, to be honest with you, that speaks to me. I like legalism. Isn't that great? I, mean, I, like, I like to check things off. And I like to say, if you don't do this, then you are out of line with God. Now, the stuff I struggle with, I'm a little more gracious, and good, but that one's okay. But you know, just in general, whenever it comes to rules and regulations, I like to be able to keep score with things. And it was a, this was always an issue. When, when Paul, you, you might remember Paul, whenever, the, uh, whenever he told people that all food was clean for them to eat. Because you know the Jewish people, they had Old Testament rules and regulations about food. And Paul said, no, God's made everything. And God, is, His grace has come. And now everything is available to all people. And people struggled with that. But here's the deal. God's grace is bigger than every rule and regulation that we have. Think about it. You know why we have the law in Scripture? It's, it's to point out to us that we are sinful. You know why we have grace? We have grace because that grace protects us from the penalty of us messing up all the time. Now, the unfortunate thing, now that's a neat concept. Now, the unfortunate thing is some of us can take that to the extreme. And I've seen people who say, well, you know, I'm a believer, 
And I know that there's some things that I practice and I do that, you know, that are questionable. But you know what? It's okay because I'm covered by grace. Now, I fall, I've, I've fallen that before. I won't be okay. I know, I know I've screwed up, but got God's grace. Okay, that's good in one sense, but try to apply that type of thinking into your marriage. Okay, now in my marriage, I, and here's what I know. I know that Emily loves me. I mean, she married me. I don't know what, I mean, yeah. so I know she, she loves me or she's spaking me out really good. Okay, so my wife loves me. My wife has demonstrated grace to me time and time again. Now, if I see her grace and the love that she has for me, what would you think if I said, I know my wife is gracious, and because of her grace, it doesn't matter what I do, because I'm covered. So I'm going to start dating again. How, how, do you think that's going to work out very well? Uh, l- ladies, would that work out very well for you? Uh, for most of you, you're going to say, absolutely not. Now, here's what I've learned. When I see that my wife loves me and she extends grace to me, you know what that does to me? It reforms my behavior. When I see that my wife loves me and has grace towards me, it makes me want to love her more. Does that make sense to you all? Okay, the same thing should be true with God. When God extends his grace to us and he shows us his love, it will reform your behavior. The Bible says that God's grace instructs us. What does it instruct us to do? Well, according to the verses I just read, verses 12 and 14, it instructs us to move away from godlessness, uh, to move away from lust, and to honor God and to love him. See, that's what grace does. Grace reforms your behavior. So I see grace completes us and then redeems us. It reforms us. That's the last one. His grace rewards us. God's grace rewards us. Verse 13 is the last verse I'll I'll read in this text. It says, While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every person, I mean, every person wants to live. Every person wants to hang on to life for as long as they can. Now, we, some of us do some crazy stuff to do it, but here's the long and short of it. You live, and then you die. And you do all that you can to hang on to it, but there is coming a time when you just run out. I mean, just absolutely run out of time. Now, here's, and that's, that's depressing But here's where God's grace comes into play. God's grace completes us in this. And he says that when you entrust your life to me, he says, I will complete you and that I will give you eternity. That I'll give you eternal life. Uh, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.10, This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, so in other words, he's saying, hey, it's through Jesus, you can get eternal life, have eternal life. Okay, that sounds good. How's that possible? Let me tell you how it's possible. It's because of who Jesus is. Now, I've heard people tell me over and over again, they'll say, listen, no, this whole thing about Jesus, he's a good guy, he's a great teacher, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus is God. He never claimed to be God himself. You all, the text we just read, it says, Jesus is our God and our Savior. 
And so Jesus makes a promise here. You follow me, I give you eternity. Now, that's a, now I, make, I can make promises too, but they're not going to come true necessarily. I mean, if I make a promise to y'all, hey, y'all follow me on top of the roof of the building, let's all jump off together and we will fly. Are y'all going to believe me? No, you're not going to believe me because why? Because we're people. People do not fly, right? I mean, we jump off, we all land on the ground together. Now, I can make a promise, but it's not going to, it's not going to be true because of who I am. Jesus made a promise, you follow me, you will have life, and you will have it eternally. Well, why can we trust in that promise? It's because of his position. He's God. It's because of what he's already done. Jesus died on a cross, and three days later he was from the grave. So when Jesus says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise we can hang on to. Why? Because of who Jesus is. The culmination of God's grace is this. Victory over death. And because of that, the power of sin is wiped out. I love history. There's a, a great story, or an interesting story, uh, in the Middle Ages about the Battle of Simpok. I think that's how you say it. I don't know if that's how you say it. But it was uh, the battle between the Swiss and the Austrians. And the Austrians had this, this huge line of soldiers, just a wall of flesh. And the, the Swiss, they, they could not break through. They couldn't get around them, couldn't go over them, nothing. And so it was like a stalemate. And the Swiss had to break through if they were going to have victory in this battle. One of the, one of the Swiss soldiers, his name was Winkelried, he told his men, he said, men, follow me. He realized that it was a stalemate, nothing was going to change, more lives were going to be lost. And he told his men, he said, follow me and I'll make for you a bridge. And so he, he led the men, they followed him and he ran, he charged the line and he jumped up as the men lifted up their spears and he landed on their spears. And his soldiers followed him and ran across his back like a bridge. And they broke through the lines and they ended up having a victory in that battle. He's now one of the great, you know, one of the great heroes of the Swiss. Now I tell that story because of this. That is what sin is like. Sin for us is a barrier that we can't go around, we can't go under it, we can't go over it. It is too big for us. And so that's why Jesus came, and in his grace, Jesus said, I will lay down a bridge for you. He said, you just follow me. And so Jesus ran towards the front lines of sin, and he fell on the power and the penalty of sin with the cross. And if we go across him and trust him as that bridge, it's then we have victory. It's then that we find a connection and a relationship with God. One of the coolest things to discover about God's grace is we are told back in verse 11 that God's grace and God's salvation is for all people. Now just because it's for all people does not mean that it's automatic. It is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For you're saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from work so that no one can boast. But for that gift to be applied to your life, you have to receive it. Now, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas in the next couple of weeks. And I know that there, we're, everybody in here is going to get some kind of a gift. 
And so you're going to receive a gift, and it's going to it's going to be probably wrapped up very nicely. And some of you, you might even like the way it's wrapped. Now that's that's a pretty that's pretty wrapping paper. But when does that gift make a difference in your life? When when is it something that comes into your life? Well, it's when you open the gift. Now you can receive a gift, but it doesn't mean anything to you until you open it up. And the same thing is true with God's gift to us, which is the grace of Jesus. Before it applies to your life, you have to receive it. Jesus, I give you the gift of grace. I give my life for you. But for it to apply to your life, you have to entrust yourself and believe in who Jesus is and the promises that he gives. And then what you'll discover is God's grace will complete you. It'll complete you. How's it complete us? Redeems us. It reforms us, and it rewards us. Okay, now in conclusion, here's my challenge for you today. Some of you here today, and you've been believers for a long time, may have grown up in a church environment like me. And just as time's gone by, you just take for granted this story. You take for granted what Jesus has done. My encouragement for you is just simply as we are in this, this season of Thanksgiving, is when we pray, it's just for you simply to say, God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Because let me tell you something, without God's grace, we are doomed. Tell me thank you. For others of you, it's, it's time for you to receive the grace. You know about the gift of Jesus. It's time to open it up. It's time to receive him to yourself. And so I'll encourage you in just a few moments to call out to God. And say, God, I, I, I'm asking for your grace. I'm trusting in who you are. Mm-hmm.